Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Welcome to Chip Chat. My name is Allison Klein. We're coming live to you from the National Association of Broadcasters Conference in Las Vegas. And I am very delighted to be joined by Dave Anderson, Associate Professor of Computer Science at Carnegie Mellon. Welcome. Good afternoon. It's great to be here. Thank you. So, Dave, out of all of the people that I could think about talking to at NAB, Carnegie Mellon wasn't the first company that came to mind. Tell me a little bit about what you do at Carnegie Mellon and how it's related to technology. Well, I'm an associate professor of computer science, and I work in the general area of systems, which kind of ranges from operating systems, which it touches a little bit on the computer architecture side, all the way up through networks and distributed systems. And the reason that I'm here is that I am one of the faculty co-directors of this new Intel Science and Technology Center for Visual Cloud Computing. Now, we have a long history of collaboration between Intel and Carnegie Mellon University, Carnegie Mellon being one of the leading technology institutes in the U.S. Can you tell me a little bit about how this specific collaboration on Visual Cloud fits into your broader purview at the university around advancing technology. Absolutely. In fact, the history of collaboration goes back to slightly before I got to Carnegie Mellon when Intel had a full-fledged lablet Mm -hmm. at Carnegie Mellon employing something like 20 Intel researchers who were working jointly with Carnegie Mellon faculty and staff. These days, there are three embedded researchers at the center with whom we work quite closely. So the way this ties in is that over the past couple of years, it's become very, very clear that there were two big drivers of what was happening in kind of the data center and using up storage and using up bandwidth and being rapacious consumers of all things compute. And those two things were machine learning and video. And the center that we're doing really sits at the intersection of those. We're trying to figure out the technological advances needed so that machine learning analytics can be applied to huge data sets of video or very large ensembles of video streaming. When you look at that challenge, obviously we've heard about machine learning applying to images. Is the issue just the volume of video being basically a cluster of images strewn together in a linear fashion, or is there more to it? Well, what I would say is it's the volume, but amazing things happen because of the volume. So the volume is what makes it very hard. A lot of the most sophisticated things that people do in machine learning on still images these days, uh, there's no prayer that they can do the same level of sophistication on video, simply because one of the largest academic research data sets is called ImageNet. It has a whopping one million images, and I just had a student doing some training on that And we blew through all of our Google Cloud credits uh, (laughs) to train this thing in a matter of four days. And very few academics even attempt to do training on ImageNet, which is only a million images. And then you think about how many minutes or hours of video a million images is, and it's dwarfed by comparison. Right. And then the second thing is that there's a lot more information in video. Because there is this temporal coherence between the frames, you can apply a lot more sophisticated processing to get more information out. If you have, for example, if you're panning around a picture of an orange, then you get a multitude of frames that are all, from a machine learning perspective, really rich training data. This is an orange. Oh, this is another angle of an orange. And you get an enormous amount of information if you can actually 
do the kind of object tracking that's at the heart of that to know that this thing you label as an orange is still an orange even though you've changed perspective. So enter the Intel Science and Technology Center for Visual Cloud Systems. This is a multi-year project. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, we involve 11 faculty. 10 of them are at Carnegie Mellon. And then we have Pat Hanrahan, who's at Stanford. And the faculty are primarily systems faculty. They make things fast. They push bits around. They store bits very efficiently. And we have two machine learning and vision faculty who I describe somewhat colloquially as keeping us honest, making sure that the problems that we're solving, the infrastructure we're creating to let people do this analytics is actually applicable to what people at the forefront of machine vision want to do. Mm -hmm. And so we work with them and we say, you know, what is it that you would like to be doing on video that you are not able to do today, that you can't afford the computation or that takes too long or that produces too much data? And then we kind of turn the crank and we try and iterate with them to create the systems infrastructure that lets them execute these things efficiently on large clusters or on cutting edge hardware so that they can actually solve their problems in somewhat reasonable time. The pure technology makes sense. You're doing video analytics on mass scale, using machine learning algorithms, advancing that field. But one question that comes to mind is, where do you see the applicability to various industries or various problems that people are trying to solve out in industry? Some of the examples that we've seen so far, we have a colleague at CMU who's been using this for 3D pose reconstruction. So he has a thing called the Panoptic Studio that has an ensemble of 500 cameras, and they can record people sitting in this room. And without putting any sensors on them, they can actually do full 3D reconstruction of what the bodies are doing. And they have so many cameras, they don't have to worry about occlusion. So that's something you can completely imagine that as their algorithms become more and more sophisticated, and as their processing time comes down from very, very, very painfully large amounts of processing mm -hmm. to something reasonable, that you could imagine that really affecting motion capture. You can imagine that affecting scene understanding. Another one is that we're collaborating with a group at Stanford who is doing analytics, primarily historical analytics of video archive data. So they've started out doing something that is comparatively simple. They're running a histogram-based shot change detector. So see how many times the camera shot changes over movies, and they're able to run a kind of historical analysis of that. And we've currently gotten to the point where they're running that on 600 hours of recorded video in five hours on a cluster of only four nodes. Wow, that's impressive. You talked about the fact that you have 11 faculty working on this. I would assume that this is something that's brand new and very exciting. Do you sense that you're going to get an increased demand? And how about other institutions that want to collaborate with you? Are there opportunities there? There absolutely are. So the 11 faculty are the faculty that we fund directly through the center. Mm -hmm. And then we have a number of people who are associated with us with whom we're collaborating. We have no limit on those other than the limits on the fact that we're all human and have bounded amounts of time. Mm -hmm. um, but we are definitely, we're starting to reach out in more and more. We held a hackathon on the thing we call Scanner, the thing that allowed the group at Stanford to run their analytics. We're hoping to hold a hackathon in a couple of weeks on the thing we call Streamer, which is the software developing for pulling in very large numbers of video feeds, such as traffic cameras, and doing analytics on those in real time. And we've actually got a collaboration with a couple of other groups at Carnegie Mellon and with the city of Pittsburgh, where we're putting some traffic cameras up around intersections in Pittsburgh and hoping to do things like real-time smog analysis oh, for car emissions. And one of the things that I hope we really get to do is be able to run machine learning questions such as count the number of near misses for pedestrians <laughs> and automobiles, things that are very sophisticated from the perspective of what machine learning can do today. 
also very insightful for the community to have that data. And we're hopeful it would be very useful for traffic planning and management. Now let's go under the hood of the technology that we've got in the center. I know that this has been a tight collaboration as well. Tell me what the researchers are able to tap in terms of compute resources. I guess from an Intel perspective, one of the biggest things that we're using is a cloud testbed that Intel has provided that has about, I'm going to get this number wrong, but it's approximately 100 Xeon Phi machines. Mm -hmm. And on that cluster, that is one of the places that we use the scanner to do very very, very high throughput batch analytics on recorded video. We're in the process of downloading very large video archives to that so that we can use that as one of our primary test beds. Um, at the edge, we're running on our traffic monitoring platform. We're using these little Intel nukes, this next unit of computing mm -hmm. that are the cutest little devices you've ever seen. <laughs> um, and importantly, from our perspectives, they only draw about 40 watts. And so we're enclosing these things in these massive metal weatherproof enclosures. And we have pretty strict thermal limits because in the summer, in Pittsburgh, a computer wrapped in a big, almost waterproof metal box will heat up. Sure. But it's nice because it has, the nuke that we're using has a pretty sophisticated GPU built into the CPU, the gen processor. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to use that to do a lot of machine learning analytics directly on the edge device. There's the edge devices, there's the uh, cloud cluster. Are you guys doing anything with Internet of Things, like sensors technology or anything there? That's a point where we're still asking that question. We've been focused on video and video-like applications where we have very high data rate, time varying, you know, multi-dimensional data coming in. And many, many people ask us, well, what do I do if I want to wed this data stream to my sensor data stream, if I have ground truth mm -hmm. or if I have something else? And we're trying to make sure that we are not going crazy building out support for a thousand different sensors because right. you can easily spin your gears doing that. But also making sure that we have just enough of those integrated to make sure that when it comes time to do the sensor fusion, basically co-registering multiple streams and getting intelligence across both of them, that we actually support that. So if folks want to find out more about the publications, where should they go? We'll have the entire list of publications coming out of the center on our website. The address for that is istc-vcs.cmu.edu. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the program today. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me. Visit ChipChat online at intel.com slash chipchat. And for more information on data center technologies, visit intel.com slash bigdata, intel.com slash cloud, and intel.com slash data center optimization. 